Welcome to the Malt Whiskey Chill podcast. This podcast is best enjoyed, responsibly of course, with a dram, the traditional measure of scotch. Our shows can be found at www.maltwhiskeytrail.com where you can also plan your trip to the world's first malt whiskey trail. Now, let's get into the show. Slanchava! This week we join Susan Colville, Grand Home Manager at Ben Romuth Distillery. We discuss the distillery's history, its plans for the future and how to choose the perfect dram if you're new to whisky. Hi Susan, can you tell me a bit about yourself and what you do? Um, I'm Susan Colville, I'm the Ben Romuth Grand Home Manager and I've been with Gordon and McPhail for nine years now so I'm responsible for all consumer and trade visitors that come to site. And can you tell me a bit more about kind of Ben Romuth's history and and um, it was founded in eighteen ninety eight. So yeah, well, the, yeah, the distillery was founded in eighteen ninety eight. It was built by Charles Doig, uh, the man responsible for the pagoda chimneys. Uh, he also built Dallas Dew Distillery. Uh, the two distilleries are actually a mirror image of each other, and the original ones were anyway. And um, it changed hands quite a few times over the years, and in the fifties it became under the ownership of um, SMD, which became UDV, which we now know as Diageo, and they owned the distillery until Gordon and McPhail purchased it in 1993. Um, When Gordon and McPhail bought the distillery, it had been sitting silent for a number of years, and Diageo closed it in 1983, um, along with a number of others. Um, They had stripped all of the equipment out of the distillery, so Gordon and McPhail effectively just bought the buildings and the water supply, so we had to to fit out the distillery, and we almost kind of reverse engineered it because we knew what kind of spirit we wanted to produce. We wanted a traditional, medium-heavy, rich, kind of robust style of, of single malt, and the, the equipment was reverse engineered, so we knew if this is the kind of whiskey we want to make, this is the type of equipment that we need to put in to, to make it happen. So short, fat, dumpy stills to give us a, a heavy, oily quality, traditional wooden washbacks to give us a, and a long fermentation to give us a kind of citric, nutty note that we're looking for. Um, that renovation process took five years and we reopened the distillery in the October of 1998. And that's been us ever since. And you, you still, must still have then whiskies from from way back when it was was closed. Is yes, that, have they just been sitting? And yes, we do. Um, uh, Gordon McVale as a company have got such a a wide variety of aged stocks, and um, that go you know they just released generations eighty year old, which uh, is quite fantastic. So they had quite a number of aged stocks of Ben Romich. Um, our older whiskies in the range. Are, are from are from there, so we've got a forty year old at the moment, and um, we did produced a, a fifty year old a couple of years ago. So there are some some older whiskies. The the style is slightly different because it's from the previous owners, and um, but uh, it's still produced in the same place with the same water supply. So it still kind of ties in and still very much has the the Ben Romich character coming through. Can you tell me a bit more about the role that the Urquharts play? Because I know they're a big part of the history. Um, yeah, um, well, the Urquhart family own Gordon and McPhail, and they are quite a number of the family members working in the business at the moment. We have the fourth generation uh, in the business. When Gordon and McPhail was first established in 1895, um, they had the store on South Street, which was your general grocer's. Uh, as well as that, they, um, 
the bought um, spirits and, the, and he, they would buy casks and you, you could go into the Gordon McPhail store and you could buy whiskies and, and you'd take them away and, and they were uncommon at the time because instead of using the whiskies for blends they would keep them for single malts and that's where the, um, the, uh, the long history of, of aged whiskies comes from. And why was that? Why was there such? Because obviously blends were such a big part during that period. Why was there such a focus on single malts from Benoit? I'm not sure. You know, I think it was maybe just a bit of foresight that he, um, um, Mr. George, the the second generation of the family, he um, probably had some foresight to to kind of keep the stocks and keep them for the future. Mm-hmm. And it just went to be a little bit different, possibly. And he, Mr. George, um, was responsible for the Connoisseur's Choice range in the 1960s, which kind of kick-started the, the whole independent bottling side of things for Gordon and McPhail. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his children, uh, the third generation, they came into the business and took various roles from accountancies to sales reps and then eventually managing directors. And the fourth generation are now... Um, directors in the business um, working across different parts of the business. Mm. And how have the, I know this is a difficult question for everyone, but how have the past two years been for you? Uh, for me personally, we, the visitor <laughs> centre was closed. Um, uh-huh. We closed at the start of the pandemic and we remain shut. Uh, the First and foremost, the, the focus of Benelwick is to produce whiskey. It, so the, the visitor centre was secondary and we had to keep our distillers safe. So the decision was taken to, to keep the distillers safe by closing the visitor centre. And the it's been a challenge you know it's been a challenge for the entire company they there was a, a period where they pretty much the entire business was closed but we worked through it um, the, um, the family and the directors had uh, uh, a plan and we um, we've come through the other side there's still challenges mm-hmm. but uh, hopefully we've seen we've seen the worst of it so yeah i find i find that throughout the whiskey industry was it's quite you know there was a bit of a halt at the start and then something was going well actually you know, people still want whiskey and, yeah. and whiskey is still being produced um, which was actually lovely to see in this industry but you've got some exciting news um, you're yes, opening back we up we are <laughs> opening on the 14th of March um, so almost two years to the day that we, we closed down wow. so we're quite excited to be back up and running offering our, our tours and and we're just looking forward to having visitors back on site and and what will visitors see when they come? What, what should they expect? Uh, the tours themselves, there's no change. Um, we're still offering the same intimate tour that we, we always have. Um, we have reduced our tour size to eight to uh, to keep it a little bit more intimate and we don't want to have large groups to because people might still not be comfortable being around lots of other people. So the smaller group size is, is with, um, with COVID regulations in mind just to kind of keep people safe. There will still be the, the sanitising and the, 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 the hand sanitizer stations and the, all of that that we have to adhere to. But the, the tours themselves haven't changed. Uh, if they come into the visitor centre, they'll see that it's got a shiny new look of paint. <laughs> um, but other than that, you'll see the, the same old happy faces. All of our guides are back and we'll be given the same excellent customer services we always have. And what liquid do they get to taste? It depends on the, the tour, our, our classic tour, you can try the 10 and the 15 year old. We have the contrast tour where we have four whiskies and you're comparing some of our our, our different whiskies, the, the, the heavily peated and the organic against our standard 10 year old. And then we have our heritage tour where we are tasting the full range and you get to try some of the older whiskies there as well, the, the, the cask strength, the 21 year old. 
and um, yeah so just a bit of a variety sounds interesting I'm sure our listeners will yeah be dying to get here um, and as well just it sort of preempts the spirit of Speyside Whiskey Festival which is taking place in April do you guys have anything coming up for that or? yes we do well we're offering our our standard tours and um, we also have a distillery managers tour on offer with Keith Cruikshank and uh, he is looking forward to to spending some time, time with customers again and we also are going to be doing a music event um, oh, wow. with Felipe Schreiberg from uh, Forbes Forbes yeah. yes he mm-hmm. has his rhythm and booze uh, event so we're going to have two nights where he's going to be doing his rhythm and booze event with the uh, the full Benomich range as well at the visitor centre so. oh that sounds so interesting I love I love his music and I love his whiskey um, commentaries so he'll be one to watch out for <laughs> absolutely and um, our distillery manager is also going to be doing a collaboration with Windswept and doing a beer and whiskey tasting at Windswept Brewery in Lossie as well so Perfect. And those, not all those are taking place at Ben Romick. They'll be. Uh, they're all, they're all going to be at Ben Romick Bar. The the beer and whiskey tasting, which will take place in Lossiemouth at the Windswept Brewery. And you've you've been in the whiskey industry for a long time. Um, I was reading up on all your credentials. I was going, I don't know what to fly because you've got so many success stories and you've worked across. That's I think that's what I loved about you was you'd moved and you'd gone. You know, it's not just one. You just you know the whiskey industry. You know, there's Ben Romick, but there's passes as well but was, I think it was an interview you'd done you talked about a eureka moment where you're like actually that you know whenever you do tastings or you observe tastings there's a moment where it clicks with them and they say oh okay that's whiskey yeah. did you did you have that yourself at some point and um, I wanted to be a French teacher when I was at school <laughs> so I did French at universities um my dad worked for over 30 years at Glenrothes distillery and he always said to me not to go into the whiskey industry I don't know why <laughs> But uh, I never really paid much attention to it until I was at university and um, I was determined I was going to be a French teacher but then I started working as a tour guide during the summer holidays to to keep my French up through the summer so I was doing all the French tours and then it just kind of clicked and I started to really enjoy it and and got into it and then by the time I finished university I was like actually I feel like I could do this for a job I don't really want to be a teacher I'd rather drink whiskey all day Mm -hmm. and then the rest is history 20 (laughs) <laughs> and this might be a, a sneaky question but what's your favourite dram? well I knew you were going to ask this of the Ben Romick range it's the 15 all day long I just think it has absolutely everything I, I was I was actually saying on the way here the 15's my like I think well I don't know if I can say it but one of my top top drams I did a tasting and um, it was amazing it's interesting though because it's got a bit of peat to it doesn't it well all of Ben Romick range with the exception of organic is is lightly peated to between 10 and 12 ppm so not normal for Speyside yeah I was gonna what where did that come from and what because Speyside isn't known for its peated whiskies it's not known now but if you were to go back to the 50s and 60s uh, most Speyside whiskies would have had a little bit of more peat influence if you think about the fuel sources that would have been available back then and the traditional floor maltings and mm-hmm. um, they again harken back to Gordon McVale's and um, liquid history they have a an amazing sample room so there were samples of Speyside whiskies that were drawn at 10 12 years old from the 50s and 60s even those that you wouldn't expect to have any smoky influence in them today had a little bit more peat um character to them so we tried to recreate that style when we when we restarted the distillery mm-hmm. so lightly peated 10 to 12 ppm and the full range with the exception of the organic has has that smoky character to it but the 15-year-old has that smoky character 
and then it's got the sherry notes that kind of rich creamy fruity and i think it just ticks all the boxes for mm-hmm. for a whiskey so that would be my favorite ben romich whiskey and my others you know it would changes on the day of the week you know i I, uh, I don't like to discriminate and have a favourite. <laughs> uh, but if I were pushed, I'd probably say, because of my dad, Glenrothes is a, is a firm favourite. And my husband's from Campbelltown. Okay. So <laughs> the, the West Coast whiskies are, are, are up there as well. We actually had Springbank at our wedding. Um, we oh. did a, a, a Celtic toast and, and we toasted with Springbank. So there's, there's quite a mix of, of favourites there. I think that's lovely. I find the, the majority of people I ask that question to, they're just like, it just depends on how I'm feeling, yeah. when I'm drinking, the what I'm The company that you're with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's interesting. What about someone who's, I'm sure you get lots of people that come onto your guides and they, they're just really queued up on whiskey, but what about someone who comes and says, how can I get into it? What would be your recommendation of kind of starting to get involved with whiskey? Well... It probably depend. It would depend on where they're from because mm-hmm. I have a different technique that I use depending on where people are from. That's if we have people from North America who are more bourbon drinkers, then I would start them off with the organic because mm-hmm. we like to say it's a bit of a mid Atlantic whiskey because it's virgin oak and bourbon are matured in, in virgin oak. So you've kind of got that really creamy vanilla honey note that the organic is really rich with that you get in a bourbon cask. So and the that kind of allows them to take the journey a bit more slowly than going straight into a single um, Speyside mm-hmm. or single malt even. Um, if they are mostly you know, European, Scandinavian, then I would, you know, technically, I would probably start them with a, a 10 or the 15. Um, and again, if you're kind of going further east, then I would probably again start with the organic, just to kind of start people off lightly and then slowly build up to the peat. But some people completely blindside you and go straight in for the heavily peated. Because <laughs> everyone's individual and no two taste buds are the same, are they? Come back often. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for the latest news, offers and exciting promotions. Cheerio and